Please take out your Bibles and turn with me to the book of 1 John, the fifth chapter. We're going to be in verses 14 and 15 again, mainly focusing on verse 15 and what the Word of God challenges us with about prayer, about how we live our life uh, seeking to know His will and, and what, what, uh, what, what we do. Uh, beautiful song that they just sang carries with it one of the greatest promises that, that we are broken people. You know, we, we are people who have messed up, we've missed God's perf- perfection, and we've missed his holiness, and, and yet because of that, when I surrender my life to Christ as Lord, then, then he takes those broken things and uses them again for his purpose and, and his place in my life. And this morning, we're going to look at that. Last week, we kind of began looking at verse 14, and, and this morning, we're going to look at verse 15 in part two of, of what we talked about, our praying in confidence. How do we pray in confidence? And we looked last week at what John writes. It's kind of an epilogue. He kind of tacks this on to the end of his letter, and he's building on these things that are foundational. He's building up these truths that, that are based upon all that he's written up until this point. And he basically makes two points in verse 14. Number one, that we have to be sure of our standing before God and that we can be. Uh, throughout this letter, he writes and says, these things have I written unto you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Over and over again, John has emphasized the fact that the child of God, you and I, if we have a relationship to Jesus Christ, that we can know our understanding. I can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I have a relationship to Jesus Christ. And once I understand my standing, the second thing that he says is then I can pray with assurance that my prayers are heard. And we talked about how that assurance is not overconfidence. It's not arrogance, but it is a, a, a certainty that what I pray, God hears. Now, I will tell you, I understand today how people... Uh, pastors who who want, I mean, we do, we want to be positive, we want to be encouraging. I can understand how it is so easy today if we don't use good biblical hermeneutics, uh, letting scripture interpret scripture, how we can take passages out of context and use them to say things like God wants to give you everything that you want. God wants so much for you. And that I understand how that happens, okay? But, but remember what I told you. Those are those three things that have to be foundational to everything you and I do, okay? And, and here's another thing. And I'm, this, is just, this is free, okay? This is sitting in the notes. Um, we need to be in the Word, okay? People, we, we are to be people of the book. And we like to read a lot about what other people have written about the book, Okay? We like to read everybody else's, you know, I love Max Lucado and John Maxwell and Mark Batterson. I've talked to that before. Man, there's a lot of great Christian writers out there. And I'll be real honest with you. It's easier to read what they've written about the book sometimes than it is to read the book. Okay? But it's because we're lazy. We need to get into the Word and study the Word of God. Okay? That, that's what, don't study somebody else's opinion about it. Study the Word. Get into the Word and study the Word. And if you and I will get into the word and study the word and allow those three things to be true in our life that we've talked about, that, that you know, the, the, the Bible is the word of God, and because the Bible is the word of God, I have to let it say what it says and mean what it means and understand that it never contradicts itself, okay? Scripture interprets scripture, let it say what it says, mean what it means, and know it'll never contradict itself. If I'll do that... I'll stay true to what God wants me to know about my life of faith. 
And, and as we look at that this morning, there are some things that we can know and be sure of as we pray before God. Our confession and our petition. Those are two aspects that are a part of prayer. The Old Testament understanding of confession was that I came before God with my sacrifice. I would bring my blood sacrifice, whether it was a, a lamb or a bull or a goat or pigeons or whatever it was. I would bring my blood sacrifice. That was my confession that made me right before God, and then God would hear my petition, those requests. In the New Testament, you and I enter the presence of holy God in prayer through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I don't have to bring any sacrifice. It's already been done. It's already been handled. It's already been covered, and so I come before him in my confession confession, the, the, the getting rid of my sin, and my petition, the, the asking God for his favor, his guidance, his direction in my life. So we're going to look at those things this morning and what it means for us and how we know we're heard. If you have your Bibles open there to 1 John 5, verse 14, if you would please stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the Word of God. Verse 14, now this is the confidence we have before him. Whenever we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked him for. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin that does not bring death, he should ask and God will give life to him, to those who commit sin that doesn't bring death. There is a sin that brings death. I'm not saying he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin and there is sin that does not bring death. You may be seated and may God bless his word this morning as we study it together. There's a couple of things that we're going to look at. Verse 15, we're going to take verse 15, we're going to break it apart real quick. Two things this morning that I want us to look at. And the first thing is how are our prayers answered? How do we know that our prayers are heard? How do I understand what it means to pray? Well, verse 15, John's writing and he says, and if we know that he hears whatever we ask. That word for ask is a word that means petition. John has just said, if we know we're before God, if we are before him and we're asking according to his will, we know that we are heard. And, and so the key for you and I is to make sure that we know our standing before God, that I am a child of God, that God has spoken to my heart, that I have a relationship to him. And once I have that relationship to him, that I confidently know the petition that I bring before him, that prayer request is heard. Now, scripturally, there are some things that have to be in place in your life and my life if God's going to hear our prayer, okay? Anybody ever prayed and just thought, I'm not being very effective in my prayer? Anybody who would be honest, okay? I know most of the hands in the congregation ought to go up, okay? We, we have those moments where we are not effective in prayer. The, the book of James tells us the prayer of a righteous man, a righteous person, is uh, the fervent prayer is powerful and effective. And there are times where in your life and my life where we don't feel very powerful in our prayer. We don't feel very effective in our prayer. We pray for things over and over again, and it doesn't seem to come about. Well, that's because there are scriptural principles that God has placed throughout scripture, these barriers and these guidelines that have to be in place in your life and my life, and if those things are in place, then I can pray with confidence and know that God is going to answer answer. Now, the first thing is I have to have a heart that is seated right before God. In Psalm 66, verse 18, David is writing there and the psalmist writes and he says this, if I had harbored sin, malice, unconfessed sin in my heart, I know that the Lord would not have listened. 
okay? So the first thing that the child of God, if I want to have confidence when I pray that my prayer is effective, that it's going to accomplish the purpose, I have to make sure that I have a right heart before God, that I am in right standing before him. David tells us if I harbor malice, ill will, unconfessed sin, if I have those things in my heart, the Lord's not going to listen. Okay, and sometimes we come to the Lord in prayer asking him to ignore the things in our life that are not right and expect him just to answer and move. Word of God says, not gonna happen. Child of God gets right before God hears. The second thing is, I have to learn to pray in accordance with the will of God. And there are people, and we talked a little bit about this last week, there are pastors today or people that'll tell you today, if you pray not your will, God, your will, that they say that's a parachute of weak faith, that I ought to be able to just say, God, you move, God, I believe, God, I trust, you move in my life. But that's not what the word of God teaches. In fact, Jesus himself in Matthew 6, 10 said, Pray as he taught the disciples to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You and I are supposed to pray for God's will, okay? We don't get to pray for the things that we want all the time. My job is to pray as a child of God for God's will, for God to work his will in my life. And I can know what his will is. In Romans 8, verses 26 and 27, I can discern the will of God because the Bible teaches us there that in the same way, the Spirit joins with us in our weakness because we don't know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us, with us, with unspoken groanings. And he, God, who knows the, who searches hearts, knows the Spirit's mindset and that he intercedes on behalf of the saints. Okay, here's the deal. God searches my heart. If I search the word of God, he reveals his will to me. We're gonna talk a little bit about what that means here in just a moment. And if I pray, I can trust that my prayers are being interpreted by the Holy Spirit in accordance with the will of God. So I can pray confidently that if I'm honest and open and before God in all that I'm doing, according to Scripture, not according to Sean Brewer's opinion, but according to Scripture, I can be confident that the Holy Spirit is taking my prayer and it is interpreting my prayer in accordance with the will of God. So there's the first three, or the first two parameters. First of all, heart that's right. Secondly, praying for the will of God that is knowable and discernible. The third thing is that I have to pray with right motives. James 4, 3, we talked about that last week. Sometimes we don't get what we ask for because we pray with a wrong motive. We pray selfishly and we can rationalize lots of things, okay? And we, I, you know, I have to share that illustration. Lord, I really need a new pickup, okay? Because if I get a new pickup, I'll go to visitation every Tuesday night and, and I'll bring people to church and Lord, I'll use that pickup to glorify you. We can rationalize whatever we need. I'm, I don't need a new pickup, okay? That's not what I'm saying. But I, I'm, I'm just, I want you to understand, we can rationalize a lot of things. But James says, sometimes you pray and you don't get to pray for it because you pray for wrong motives. Philippians 4.13, Paul said, my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All throughout scripture, we hear those promises and, and those truths. But notice what he said. He said, I'll meet your needs, not your greeds. Okay? Sometimes we pray for stuff that we don't really need. We pray for the, the extras in life. Okay? And, and so... First principle is heart right. Second principle, God's will. Third principle, that I pray uh, not with, with an, a selfish motive, but with a right motive. The fourth principle is, is that I believe in faith that I have what I receive. Matthew 21, 22, another passage, if you take it out of context, could be used to support those people that say you get whatever you want. But the Bible says there that when I pray in faith in the name of Jesus, that I believe that I've got it. 
okay, that I believe, and, and that's not psychobabble if you believe hard enough, you get it, but it, it's understanding these principles in place and that I'm not just shooting a prayer in the dark hoping that God might hear, okay? Sometimes when we pray desperately, that's what we do, okay? We just, I, you know, I'm, I'm at mid-court and I'm just throwing up a shot and hope it goes in. No, I, I can pray confidently, that God hears, that Christ hears because God wants to answer my prayer. So the principles, again, heart that's right, okay, praying according to the will, right motives, believing in faith. The fifth principle is that my life is in him. John 15, uh, the, the, uh, the vine passage, John 15, 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you will and it will be done for you. The, the fifth principle is very simply, if I want my prayers to be answered, I have to know that I'm living my life in obedience to Christ, Okay. I can't act like a spoiled brat and have some area of my life that I know is not in line with God's will for my life, no matter how much I want to rationalize it, no matter how much I want to ignore it, but the principle is if I'm in him, obedient to him, then I can ask, okay? So I need to make sure that my life is in obedience to Christ and I'm living my life the best way in hell. And then the sixth principle, very quickly, is that I earned to ask in Jesus' name. Until now, John 16, 24, until now you've asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive so that your stuff will be complete. Come on, you've had two seven, all right? Is that really what it says? So that your what? Joy will be complete, Okay? And, and, and so all throughout scripture, there are these principles that are there that if I'll pray and have my life lined up with what scripture says, I can pray confidently that God hears and wants to hear and he wants to answer, okay? Those are the things that are supposed to be a part of my prayer life and those are the things that John was talking about here that when I do that, all of those safeguards, they're, they're like the guardrails that keep me from getting off track, okay? And, and you know, as long as I've been here, I like to get off track sometimes. Now, by that I mean I like to play in the mud. And every time, I, I, I just, I, I think I have a God-given talent for getting stuck, okay? I, I just, I've, I've been able to do it my whole life. Um, I, I just, I like to go through things that I'm not supposed to go through, okay? If it's a mud hole, I want to challenge it. It's just who I am. And, you know, we were going to go at Christmas back uh, to do Christmas with my dad and my brother before he went back to Nepal. And, and I kind of wanted to go back on Friday before we were doing it on Saturday. I wanted to go back on Friday and go hunt in the bottom and, and was trying to get Laura to go in there. And she said, no, I don't want to go because I don't want to drive down there and spend the night there. I would rather just go down and come back in one day. And if you want to go, you go hunt. And I said, Laura, I'm not going to go hunt by myself because if I go, what's going to, she said, you're going to get stuck. I said, that's right. I'm going to go to the bottom. I'm going to get stuck and I'm going to need somebody that I can call that will care enough to come get me. Okay. So, so if you're not going, I'm not going to get stuck. I'm just, I'm just not going to do it because I promise you, I, I never go to the bottom that I don't get stuck. I mean, it's just like, it's a passing ride of life. It's just what I do. And, and because of that, I occasionally read four-wheel off-roading magazines, okay? And, and a few years ago, I was reading a magazine. There was a story in the magazine about this guy. I don't know if it was a true story, if it was just an illustrative story. I'm not sure. It was a story magazine about this guy that spent all this money, got his Jeep lifted up, jacked up, big tires, crawling, independent suspension, all this stuff he could do. And he's taking his wife out and family out. They're going to mudding. They're driving down the road. And he comes to a sign that says, bridge out ahead, turn around. 
And his wife said, you see the sign? He said, I see the sign, but I'm not worried about it. We can go. I can go through the creek. Man, I, it doesn't matter. I don't have to have a bridge. I can get across this. So he drives on a little bit further, and there's a road. And the second sign says, please turn around. Road closed ahead. And he's like, hey, don't worry about it. No big deal. And so in a little bit, he gets there, and he figures out it's a big deal. And he's turning around, and he's coming back. And on the back of the first sign, it's written, welcome back, stupid. <laughs> That's what those prayer supports are. Okay, those guidelines that God has put in his word are to keep our prayer in line and in tune with him. And when I do that, I can have confidence that, that God's gonna answer. Now hear me, it may not be the answer that I want. May not. But what will happen, according to the promises of God's word, is God will give me the grace to walk through whatever that answer is. It may not be the thing that I think would be easiest or best. But if I've got my life lined up and I'm doing those things, my heart's right, I'm praying in accordance to the will of God, I'm not praying with selfish motives, I'm praying in faith, I'm living my life to the best of my ability in the obedience of the Holy Spirit, and I'm praying in Jesus' name. If I'm lined up, and those are just six, guys, there are principles of prayer all throughout the word, but if I'm lined up in those areas, I can pray with confidence that God hears my prayer, he wants to answer, and whatever the answer is, he'll give me the grace to walk through it. Now, the second thing that this passage teaches us is that I can pray with assurance. Look at verse 15 again. And if we know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked him for. Notice what it says and what it doesn't say. We know that we will have? No. Might have? No. We know that we have what we have asked him for. Jesus, or John here writes and says that when those things are lined up in my life and I'm praying knowing that I'm before the Father and I'm heard because I'm his child, I can pray with the confident assurance that I have. It is in my possession. Now, it may not come to fruition, to completion for a week, a month, a year, or a decade. But the promises of God are granted to the child of God when they pray in confident assurance that God hears. 2 Corinthians 1.20, all the promises of God are, okay, let's try it again. All the promises of God are, okay, we're we're close. All the promises of God are, yes. Okay, let's try one more time. All the promises of God are in him. And through him, the amen is spoken for God's glory through us. If I am praying in accordance with the will of God, the heart of God, the mind of God, according to the scripture of God, under the direction of the Holy Spirit of God, in the name of the Son of God, the promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus. Now, that's where we get off track. It's not the stuff, it's the promises. 
And so what I need to do is I need to learn the promises of God. I, I need to go through, get you a Bible you can write in. It's got a bunch of pages at the back. And every time you find a promise of God in Scripture, circle it, mark it, underline it, write it down in the back, come out beside it and write promise for grace or promise of sanctification. If you need more love, God says he'll give it to you. It's his promise. If you need to be sanctified, God says he'll complete it. It's his promise. If you need to forgive more, God says I'll give it to you. It's my promise. When I pray, the promise is if I need wisdom, discernment, what does he say? Ask and you'll be given wisdom. Whatever the promises of God are in my life, and there is a promise for every decision and every situation and every circumstance that you find yourself in. Whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're hurting for, whatever you desire, there is a promise of God that covers it. And his promises are yes. And I can pray with confidence that God is going to bring those things about. So make a list of the promises. And get on your knees and plead the promises of God back to him. And watch him answer in your life. That's not name it, claim it, prosperity. That's truth. My whole life I've wanted to be married. Actually, that's not true. When I surrendered to the ministry, I wanted to be married. Because you can't be a Baptist pastor and not have a wife. And so when I surrendered to the ministry, I'd been dating a girl, started dating my sophomore year. I was 15 years old. I'd been dating her all the way through high school, two years of college. I surrendered to the ministry. I got engaged. Everybody thought we were going to get married. Everybody thought we should get married. So I got engaged. I bought her a ring. We got engaged. About six months later, she broke up with me. I started dating another girl. I went to work that summer at the, the pool in Sulphur Springs. There was a young girl working there. I was the assistant manager. We started dating. And we dated for the last two years of my college degree. And we got engaged. Just thought that's what we're supposed to do. The night before I graduated from college, she got married, not to me. I've been engaged twice. I'm over two, okay? After we broke up, I started dating another girl that, that I had known from the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. She had just come out of a broken engagement. I'd just come out of a broken engagement. We tried to take a beautiful friendship and mesh that together in a dating relationship. She was in Houston. I was in Fort Worth going to seminary. And we dated for about six months, and we got engaged, okay? And it just didn't work. So I, I literally started dating when I was 15. I'm 22, fixed me 23, and I've dated exactly three women my entire life, okay? And I've been engaged, all three of them. That began a period in my life for the next six months, I dated 56 or 57 different girls. Most of them were seminary students, um, and they were all there looking for a degree in MRS, and so it was just fit, okay? I was, I was looking to get married, they were looking to get married, but none of those relationships was right. And, and, and I just asked, there was this real pretty girl who was coming to the Y to play volleyball, and I had just asked, I was working the Y part-time, I just asked her out, and she turned me down. And I was not used to being turned down, okay? <laughs> she turned me down. And so I'm, I'm home that weekend, I'm preaching my old country church, tell mom about all this stuff, and, and my mom just looks at me, she says, Sean, God's not going to put a godly woman in your life until you're happy in your relationship to him. And, and you're not happy in, in your relationship to him, so... You need to focus on your relationship with Christ. So I quit dating, and I went on a, a dating fast for about three months and just threw myself into my relationship to Christ. 
And at the end of those three months, I crossed paths with this young lady again. And I asked her out. And she said yes. And so we started dating. We dated every day for the next week. And about that third night, we went to a Rangers game. My mom and stepdad came over. We went to a Rangers game together. And we're sitting at a table. We're sitting at, um, I can't remember the name of the restaurant. TGIF, I think, or whatever, McCall or somewhere. We're sitting at a restaurant. And she, Laurie, gets up to go to the restroom. And my mother looks at me. She says, that's a young lady I've been praying about your whole life. Wow, okay. We dated every day, saw each other every day, lunch, work. And, and after about six weeks, we started planning our wedding. And one thing, we're planning colors and dates and times and, and all those things. And, but there was one thing I'd never done. I'd never asked her actually to marry me. We're planning a wedding, but I'd never actually popped the question. And so... One night, I fix dinner, we get, I get down on my knee in, in my apartment, and, and I look at her, I said, I guess I need to do this just to make this formal, okay? Now, you gotta remember, this is, I'm, I'm 0 for 3 at this point, okay? <laughs> Most people would be gun-shy pulling the trigger on this question. But I, with complete confidence in what her answer was gonna be, asked Lori to marry me, and she said yes. Why? Because I already knew what was in her heart, I already knew what she wanted. I already knew what we were planning, talking about. I already knew what God had done. It's exactly what the Word of God says to us about prayer. So when I get my life lined up right with Him, and I'm living for Him the best way I know how, lined up right in Scripture, all of those things, all the promises of God are yes in Him. It lines up. And I, I can pray with confidence. Why? Because I know the heart of my Father. And the heart of my Father is to answer His promises in my life and in your life. That's His promise. And that's what He wants for you. And that's what He wants for us. That's what He wants us to understand. And so what I do is I come and I ask in accordance with the heart of God, the Word of God, the will of God, under the direction of God, in the name of the Son of God. And I can trust that his answer alone is my answer in prayer. So what do you need to do today to make sure that your prayers are righteous and powerful and effective? Is there some area of your life where you're harboring malice Ill will, unforgiveness, bitterness. It, man, it may be generations old. You may not even be able to set it right with the person. They may be dead and gone, but here's the deal. It's the promise of God to grant forgiveness. And what you may need to do is say, God, I want to lay this down and I want to be done with it. If there's something in your life that you need to let go of, confess it and be done with it. Let it go that God can answer in your life his promises. Maybe, maybe you're, you're here this morning and, and you're struggling in that area of faith. You're struggling to, to pray the will of God. Trust that God's word will line up. If you're praying about something and you have trouble praying for that in Jesus' name, then quit. Just quit. But if you can pray in faith and trust that God hears, then keep praying. 
There's some of us here today, and we're not as effective in prayer. And it's amazing to me as I look at my life, and I know my life. And, and maybe there's some of you here that are like me. You're thinking, there's no way God should answer prayer in my life, okay? I'm there with you sometimes. And, and God, because he is gracious and loving, he sometimes just answers even the things, even when we're not obedient. Sometimes he just does because he is a benevolent father. But if I know that there's an area of my life that's not in will, if I know there's an area of my witness that's not lined up, and, and, and I just excuse it or rationalize and say, well, God, it, it really doesn't matter. It's not that big a deal. I'm, I'm obedient 98% of the time. It doesn't matter if I talk like this. Lord, I, I'm obedient in, in, in the areas of stewardship in my life. I'm obedient with my, well, most of the time I go to church. Most of the time I, I, I think about you, I serve you. Most of the time I, 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 I try to give. Most of the time I'm obedient. Surely you ignore just a little bit, right? If I harbored sin, ill will, unconfession, disobedience in my heart and get mad when God doesn't answer, it's because I'm acting like a spoiled brat. God, line my life up with you. In every area, line my life up with you so that my prayer will be powerful and effective in everything that I do. Are you, is there an area of your life where you're not in obedience? Get it right. It's pretty simple. If we confess our sin, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us and purify us and, and make us right from all unrighteousness. Get it right. Witness tainted. Confess it. Get it right. Start being effective in your prayer. But some of you this morning, and the honest truth is, you don't pray with confidence. And the reason you don't pray with confidence is because you're not confident that you're a child of God. You hope. When it's all over and you're standing before Jesus, you hope. I mean, you get up and say, Lord, today I'm going to try to do enough to balance out the scales. Man, I hope today I did enough. And I, well, I felt good about that when I, but that was, but I think, I, I'm, I, I think I'm in. Quit thinking. These things have I written unto you who believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Quit trying to balance it out. You won't get there. But you can't pray with confidence because you're not sure about your standing. It's real easy to put that one right. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? And that he died after living a sinless, perfect life for your sin on the cross. That he was buried, and on the third day he rose and is even now at the right hand of God awaiting the second coming. If you believe and confess, you will be saved. Luke 15, 10, the Bible says, 
there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. I marvel at that verse. That verse blows me away every time I read it. Doesn't say the angels get happy, or just the angels. It says there's rejoicing in the presence of God's angels. See, what I think that scripture teaches us is that the God of the ages rejoices. I think that scripture teaches us that those believers in our families and those believers in our church and those believers throughout history that are part of that great cloud of witnesses, that they stand and they look into this place and they marvel at God's salvation. And they applaud that God is still on his throne. And he's still in his business of saving people's lives. There's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of heaven. God's angels over one who will repent. And maybe today's your day. Right now the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. Man, it feels like your heart is going to jump out of your chest. And what God is saying is, I have chosen you. You are my child. And my son died for you. Will you accept him? And let him be Lord of your life. How do you need to respond to God's word?